welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Thank you. Thank you for such wonderful worship this morning. We're very blessed. Amen. I said we're a blessed people this morning to just sense the presence of the Lord here. And uh, thank you, Nathan, and the worship team. You're just a marvelous people. We bless you in Jesus' name. Again, it's lovely to see you all this morning in the house of the Lord. Uh, made some uh, American friends today, some South African friends this morning before service started. And uh, just great. And others as well. Just a great to have you in. Those who are here for the first time, the very warmest welcomes to you. And those joining us online, we are thankful also to, to have fellowship with you. Maybe one day in the flesh. Well, certainly if you're a believer, we're going to see you one day. Amen. Whether it's down here or up there, that's the great hope of the Christian. We have such a great, such a great hope in the Lord. Uh, you know, he is able, friends, this morning. Amen. Whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you're in, and I won't belittle your struggles. You know, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, the Bible says, but God shall deliver you out of every one of them. So whatever you're going through today, just remember that the Lord is on your side. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't abandoned you. Those who are going through struggles in your health, and my own dear mom, as you know, is recovering from her hip operation at 78 years young. She doesn't feel old. But, you know, even this morning, mom, I know you're watching that God hasn't abandoned you either, but you're recovering and God is strengthening you. But whatever trial you're in this morning, I just want to tell you the sun will shine again for you. Amen? It will rise again. And God is in control. So take that in your heart today. If you hear nothing else this morning, maybe just as a little ream of thought from the Holy Spirit, He will not abandon you. He hasn't left you. He is more than able. Amen. Praise the lovely name of Jesus. Let's pray before we start this morning. I just feel, afraid. I'm so proud to wear my Ukrainian flag today. Um, some of my Ukrainian brothers and sisters came up and pointed it out again. But I just feel we should pray that the Lord will bring an end to this war. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And let's just go into not just a, a quick thought prayer towards Ukraine. Let's say, oh God, enough bloodshed now in the Ukraine. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We come before you, Lord, for the huge pain that is taking place, Lord, the huge turmoil that's happening in Ukraine today, Lord, for the, the thousands of souls that are dying, Lord, in the front lines. God, we pray that you will come and you will end this war and you will cause it to cease and you will bring healing. And you will restore the land of Ukraine again. We pray, Lord, for those who are here, Lord, who are far from their homes today, their family and their loved ones, that you would come and minister to them, that they will have hope in their hearts, that they will know that even for them, you are more than able. And I pray, Jesus, we will hear good news shortly, that this war will be ended in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, as we come around your word, I pray you bless it. I pray your name will be honored and glorified. That, Lord, we will all leave, Lord, with the name of Jesus on our lips. That we will be enthralled in your love, Lord. So grateful for your goodness. We thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. But last, last Sunday was a wonderful Sunday for us as a church. We had a tremendous baptism service uh, down in Farn Woods. I, I don't know, was it 20 or 21? But in around that number, got uh, baptized. Uh, the testimonies were outstanding. Uh, from the youngest to the oldest, each one with their unique story and yet fervent conviction 
to live a full life for the Lord and to commit to Him. And if you're one of those candidates that got baptized today, I, I want to tell you I'm so proud of you uh, last week to see and hear your testimony before the Lord. I can promise you one thing, that everything from hell came against you last week as a result. I, I just know how the devil works. You step into the waters to stand for the Lord and hell will come against you. But you have to expect that now because you are in a battle and we battle not against flesh and blood. Even though flesh and blood tend to be the thing that we see with some mad boss giving out to you or somebody just coming against you, it's hell that's behind the scenes because now you're stepped into the fight for the Lord and you need to put on that spiritual armor and grow in the things of God. So just remember, if you ran into the devil this week, it means because you're a danger to him. Amen? And uh, God is doing something very strong in your life. And I'm very proud of you all. And I say that very sincerely. It was a wonderful, wonderful faith-building afternoon to see what the Lord is doing with our church. Praise God. I want to go back to a very well-known story in the Bible. Um, I preached it many times as uh, talking to Pastor Stephen. He was ministering here last, Sunday, last Wednesday night. And we were just joking as he was coming in the door. I said, how's it going tonight? And he says, oh, you know, I was in fear and trepidation bringing the word. He said, I said, you know, I said, the Bible gets very thin after a while for a preacher. You'd wish it was six times thicker, but it gets very thin. And uh, so you have to mine in and hear what the Lord is saying. But the wonderful thing about the Bible is that when you read the scriptures, when you read it devotionally, when you read it to study it, you'll always find something you never saw before. There's always, it's because it's a living word. It's, it's inspired by the Holy Ghost. It's inspired so that it would shed light, even though it was stories of thousands of years ago. The Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. The nature of men is the same. Technology may have changed, but that doesn't make us any more sophisticated in the sense of, you know, that our natural human needs are the same and our reactions and behaviors are identical. If anything, if history teaches you that really we haven't been able to do what the Darwinians think and evolve out of that way of thinking and behavior, we just disguise it better. You know, we cover things better. But underneath is the very same common problems, common denominators, common attributes of all humanity. And that's the reality about it. We are, we're not as bright shining stars as what we think we are. We're quite fickle. We're, quite, we're, 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 we're easily broken. And actually all of us are broken. And so the gospel, uh, the Bible speaks into every aspect. And there's one character that always, I, I love speaking about this character because, you know, when you, as a young boy reading my Bible, my mom and dad gave us the picture Bibles in the early days so we could just get to know the Old Testament stories. Uh, I still love the picture Bibles, by the way. I don't know about you, but uh, I just, uh, one of those people that love to see the old characters. And one of the great characters in the Old Testament is a, is a man called Samson. Now, he's known universally. Samson is a universal name. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, the story is very well known, very well told to Sunday school classes. I think there's a movie out now, Samson movie coming out, or there's one out or something. But it's, it's an amazing time because Samson was, one, was the last judge, really, even though Samuel was a judge, but he was a prophet judge. But Samuel, uh, Samson was really the, the last judge of Israel. And the, the judges were a particular group of people in, in the formation of the nation of Israel into becoming the, um, the, the object of God or the, 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 you could say the, the vehicle that God used to bring about the salvation of the world. Um, they, they've come from Egypt. They're, they're a people that are finding their identity, finding their homeland um, in a time where civilization is morphing and, uh, you know, all around the whole world. It's not just the Jews 
nations upon the earth that have now been on the earth a few thousand years, embracing consciousness, embracing life, learning technologies, learning how things go, learning from the previous generations, collating that, making life a little bit better, a little bit easier. Try to, you know, back then you didn't have the battle of the sexes because, you know, at the end of the day, men had to go out hunt and gather and protect, and the women were very happy to look after the families and rear them. It was a very difficult life for both sides. Nobody had it easy back in ancient times. Technology wasn't there. Inequality wasn't even a question. What was the question is how are we going to put food on the table and how do we stop our daughters from being raped and our sons from being murdered? They were, that was the, the violence of the world around them. As men, the nature of man is wicked. It's sinful. It's evil. You know, we think that evil is just a 21st century thing when we look at the war in Ukraine, which is an evil war. We see the butchery that's meted out against people, the savagery that's taking place to even the POWs that are taken in, the horrific stories of what's happening to prisoners of war. That, well, that's always been the nature of man. Violence. We've so quickly drift into a very, very lower thinking and it's amazing how crowd mentality takes over and how violence becomes so easy for us. It's the easy backup. And so that was the world of the ancients as well. And in the middle of all that failure, because of sin, because of man walking away from the tree of life, because a man saying to God, I'd rather make it up my own way and give me knowledge. We'll do it our way. We don't really need God. And look how far that's got us. You know, we have all this technology and we're broken to the core. We don't even know our identities anymore. We don't know why we exist. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what life's about. Everybody is like the last chapter of the book of Judges where we're going to read from this morning. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. So now you've got, you know, seven and a half billion views of what, 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 you're, what you are or what you're not. It's, there's no metric. There's no standard. Everybody's just falling off the line of reasoning. Amazing, isn't it? We've come all this distance to go full circle back again to where we were in Judges. Every man is a god unto himself. Every man is a law unto himself. Every man is his own island. Every man is trying to make it his way. Every man is trying to justify himself. Uh, make his storyline the only thing worth talking about. Uh, my truth. <laughs> really, you don't have any truth. There's only one truth and his name is Jesus, by the way. Truth is not just a concept, it's a person. It's, a, it's, a, it's not just a force, it's the person of God, the triune God. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so back in the book of Judges is a time when Israel had moved into their promised land. They had been brought there by the hand of God. You know this intimately, of course. I've preached it to you many times. But in that place, of course, the, the, the story of Israel is the story of the best of people under the best uh, governance, which is the governance of God. Still, because they're unregenerate, the nature always goes back to where it was. It tells me that human nature is unreformable. You can't reform it. You cannot fix yourself. You cannot get to a place where you have gone through so much therapy and you have done so much mantras, whatever they may be. You have self-indoctrinated or educated yourself up out of your problem. No friends, better people and more disciplined than us have tried that. The Greeks were fantastic at that, philosophizing all the way to try and even justify everything they did wrong from pedophilia to sexual behaviors of all deviancies. They tried everything to just justify it, and it led to the demolishing of their empire. The Romans, the same. And I want to tell you, no different in our time. But the Jews were the best of the people you could say. They're very, let's be honest with you, they, are, they do tend to be the brightest people on the planet. I think 274 Nobel Peace Prize laureates were Jewish. 
you know, Einstein right through to Freud, I mean, and everything in between. Uh, White Gambit, yeah, some of the richest people, Jewish people. It seems to me that they were, they were fantastic people. And then on top of that, given the governance of God, given to them is, is the prophets, to them is the law, to them is the, the Messiah given to them. And yet with all that, there's something in the nature. It's like the sour at the end of the cup. It's like the worm in the apple. You bite, it looks great. You bite it. It's just to the core of something of every one of us. There's a brokenness. There's a there's a need that we can disguise very much, and and, and yet and that's the reality. So the, the Jews were, you know, in this place of of developing and growing into their civilization, growing into the plan of God, but they quickly revert back to the worship of foreign gods, and they thought it was all an excuse. To worship foreign gods was always an excuse. It was an excuse to do what they wanted to do at the end of the day. They liked sexual immorality. They liked to, to be a, a, a prosperity. They wanted everything on the normal Newtonic side. You know, everything that just consists of what you smell, taste, touch, feel, and hear. And, and that's the reality. And you could say that's probably one of the greatest flaws of Judaism. That Judaism builds beneath the sky because it's looking for a Messiah that would just bring about a world system that there's no more injustice. You know, that I can go out and plant my field and not worry about someone robbing my field or murdering my wife or my husband. And so we just want a rule of peace. But you can't have peace until the Prince of Peace rules in you. That's the whole Bible narratives. So when you chase after a system of governance based upon laws and rules and regulations, all it is is a massive disguise because when you get all that at the very core, you still got you. When it's all said and done and you silenced all inequalities around the world, after you've gone from climate change to the incinerator down the road to uh, let's now look at uh, you're lowering the speed of cars and you win your little whatever fight with the government and you get satisfied that your voice has been heard and this right's been brought in and that right's been brought in, you then have to deal with yourself. Is anyone hearing me this morning? It's amazing how the Word of God cuts deeper because the issue is our heart. Now does this man, Samson, who was a judge, who was ruled by judges for a period of time, as I said, the nation was. And the judges were really, they were like sort of military. They, they didn't have a king. God didn't want them to go that way. He wanted them to trust them. But he would elect men to judge the nation. But they were really basically men that did bring a level of judgment. But they were not like judges in the court of law. They basically would rally the nation in times of need against a, an oppressor. And of course, the Philistines had been oppressing for 40 years, they had been oppressing the, 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 the children of Israel. And that's because the children of Israel went back to the foreign gods in the worship of Dagon and Baal. And, and God sent the Philistines in, who incidentally came from the land of Crete, where I like to go from time to time. They were seafarers. They were Mechanites in the sense that they had, they had iron before the Jews did. And so they were a ferocious force. And they came across to their ships and they planted into the, uh, into the land of Israel, which are now called uh, um, Palestinians. That's where the race goes back to there. That's what a lot of guesstimations in history put it to. And so there's this, uh, you could say, there's this oppression from the Philistines. And God raises up different judges. And one of the last ones was Samson. And he's, he's a very unusual man. I, I haven't got time to read the three and a half chapters that deal with his life. But we all know the, the essentials of his life. Basically, his, his, his mother was from the royal tribe of Judah. His father was from the tribe of Dan. And, and she was barren. She had no children. And the, and the angel of the Lord comes to her, and, and he, he tells her she's going to have a child. She tells her husband, and of course the two of them are thrown into a spin because they have an encounter with the angel of the Lord. They think they're going to die. But of course, the prophecy comes true. She's going to have a child. He's going to be Nazarite, a Nazarene. 
or a Nazarite, take the Nazarite vow, and the Nazarite vow was a strict vow of living and behaving. So, you know, basically they, they couldn't take any product from the vine, they couldn't touch alcohol, um, no razor was to touch their head, they couldn't touch anything dead, or they would defile themselves. They lived a distinctful lifestyle, so the hair grew long, uh, and, you know, the Nazarite vow was a vow that men and women could partake in. So it wasn't uniquely to men. A woman could also commit herself to a Nazarite vow. And normally it wasn't a lifelong vow. It was a vow of 30 days, sometimes 60 days, and up to 120 days, where they would live in a certain way where people would see that they were cutting their hair, they'd stay away from certain products, they were dedicating themselves to the Lord, and this was a sign to the community and to themselves that there was this Nazarite spiritual vow going into place. But his was different. His vow was for all of his life. You know, he was, living, he was going to live a distinct life as a judge of Israel all his life. He's been raised up by God. He's going to be a deliverer of his people. And uh, he's unique, unique in that way. But... You know, everything about him was meant to be an example of holy consecration. Oh my gosh, it turned out to be very different, didn't it? He's a man that liked the girls. It was much better than liking the boys, in my opinion, but anyhow. And now, the wrong girl is at that. He's sleeping with prostitutes. He eventually finds a wife, and she's not of his people, which breaks the, 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 the very traditions of Israel and the teachings of Moses. He, starts, he wants to marry a Philistine girl. And... Uh, and, and, and so he uh, ends up with, and the marriage goes bad very quickly because we know all the story there. Yet at the wedding day, he poses a riddle and uh, he just does a competition. He gives him some cryptic saying and I won't go into what it is. But, and of course, his, the Philistines don't want to be uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, updone by him in any way. So they put pressure on his Philistine wife to say, if you don't tell us the answer to this riddle, because we can't get it, we're going to burn your house down. Basically is what they said to her. So she, she gave in. She, she got it out of her husband, told the Philistines, and they, 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 he was enraged that he was betrayed. He was enraged that they answered the riddle. And then he goes out and he kills 150 of them to strip them naked and give their clothes as, as, the, as the payment for the, for the riddle. And this was the sort of man he was given to. He was given to strange behavior. Um, acts of great anger, very selfish. From a very young age, he starts to show the sounds of real moral weaknesses. And yet the hand of God is on him. It's a real enigma. It's, it's a very, very strange thing. We see many things that appeal to us about this man, but other things that really make it very appalling when we look at his life. He's very double-minded. He's a, he's, he's a, you know, the, there was a movie came out a few years ago called The Enigma, you know, the Enigma was that, that, that tool that the, the Germans used in World War II to communicate, um, uh, how to so, cryptically communicate to each other so that the Allies couldn't hear them. It's a great movie out, it's called Enigma, and how they cracked that code. Uh, but an Enigma is a person of, of contradictory or puzzling, if you talk about a person, it's a person of puzzling or contradictory character. And really, as a Christian, we look at him this way. We, we, we look at how could God use such a man? How could, how could such a man end up in the book of Hebrews? I mean, it puzzles me. How does such a man end up in the book of Hebrews? The writer of the Hebrews must have seen something in this man's life. He says, what more shall I say then? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets whom true faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness and obtained the promise, stopped the mounts of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of, uh, uh, of aliens. Uh, yeah, amazing, I mean, of, of all the characters in the Bible to make it into the hall of fame of Hebrews 11 and Samson. 
And so his, his story goes on from one kind of disaster to the next. He's breaking all his vows. He's now, his marriage ends up a mess. He's going with prostitutes, which is against every law, moral law, moral code, decency. Yeah, he eventually falls in love with a woman called Delilah, who's, who's also a, a, a Philistine. And uh, she ends up betraying him, of course, for some money. All his life, you know, he, 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 kills, he takes honey out of a carcass. He's not meant to touch dead things. He kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. He's breaking his vow as a Nazarite, even picking up that jawbone. He's not meant to do that. Yet in the midst of all his failures, God sees fit to use him. It's an enigma. I don't know about you, I find that very puzzling. You, know, you, can't, you can't deny the reality. The reality is that God uses broken people. Which one of us this morning isn't broken? Which one of you has no sin? Cast the first stone. That's not to justify sinful life. Let me tell you, he paid a very dear price for this. What a foolish man. What a heartbreak after heartbreak. He ended up, of course, being betrayed by Delilah. And, and uh, the secret of his strength lay in his hair, that he never cut his hair. And he said it to her, and he gave away the secret. And while she, while he, the Bible says, while he slept, let me read you the reading, because I think it's worth the, it's worth the read. Verse 19 of Judges 16. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off his seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before as the other times and shake, off, shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines came, took him, put his eyes, put out his eyes, Brought him down to Gaza, they bound him with bronze feathers, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now, amazing, I mean, be not deceived, God has not walked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I've met many men and women that have walked away from the righteous standards of Scripture and live an awful life, a foolish life, and they think they get a level of pleasure for a while, I want to tell you, I've, I've only met regret. I have never met one, not one, not one of my 40 years, 40 odd years as a Christian that has not lived in regret from that folly, that, that foolishness, for that moment of going a certain direction, doing a certain thing, and brought into themselves a lifetime of torment, broken marriages, unhealthy bodies, broken in so many ways. But you know what? Even in the midst of all that, God says, I can still, and I will bring myself to reputation through you. You know, it, 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 you have to believe wherever you are at in your Christian journey today, whatever the devil's whispering in your ear, whatever he's saying about your failure, it's probably all true and probably a lot worse than that. And yet God says a word much, much higher. God speaks something that's so audacious. It's so, it's so prodigal. I've spoken about the prodigal father a few weeks back. You know, the prodigal in the sense that he over-lavishes something upon you. A prodigal is someone that lavishes selfishly upon themselves all the good things. It's all about me. Because Samson was a type of prodigal, wasn't it? Prodigal. It was all about him. His buddies, his drinking, his girls, you know. And then he would have moments of inspiration and usually it was all out of selfishness. He would display his spiritual authority or his spiritual calling out, out of nothing, out of arrogance. And he misused his anointing. Yet God used it for his glory. And so he, we have this man, he's, 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 he's an enigma. In every sense of the way you look at his life, he is an enigma. Everything about him was meant to be the opposite. But from the youngest of age, he begins to show the signs of the pattern of a morally weak and fleshly man. What a contradiction. 
to be able to show signs of such spiritual prowess and uh, to just to start to callous disregard and reckless behavior. He is an example of a man that is under a law of obligation, who carries the anointing of the Spirit but doesn't walk in faith. In other words, in other words, like many Christians, the Holy Spirit is upon you, but you're not walking in faith. You know what's right. You've had an impact with God. You know there's a call of God in your life. You know the gospel is right. Your mom and dad spoke at you for many years. You saw it in action. You saw the righteousness of God. When, when a man sows to righteousness, he receives the blessing from heaven. When he walks away, he sees the destruction upon the nation, upon his life, upon his family. He knew all this, but to him it was more of an obligation. It was, I, I better do this. I'm a judge. I better do this. It's like many people who embrace Christianity from a young age. You know, they sometimes, and not all, they can do it out of, out of a sense of obligation all the time. And it's really, really, it's not where God wants you to serve. It's not what God wants you. God wants you to serve Him because you love Him. He doesn't want to put a bit in your mouth and force you. And so this man, his whole life is, it's, he's selfish. Selfishness is what reigned in his life. His confidence was in him. He looks like you and me, an enigma in every way, but she lulled him into sleep, and that's what sin did. Lulled him, brought him to a place where he lost his eyesight. He's now bound, fettered, and brought into a prison. You know what? Sometimes you have to, you have to stop looking with the natural eye. I said, sometimes there comes a time in your life where you have to stop looking with the natural eye. Because that's where most fleshly Christians live. They live looking things in the flesh all the time. They live naturally. They live like the natural man does. But the Bible says the natural man, the, the, the fleshly man, he's, he's enemies with God. He's at odds with the Spirit. And so this man is in a place where he's bound. He's brought judgment upon himself. He's grinding corn now in the prison. Probably for the first time in his life, He's doing something for others. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, literally that's what he's doing. He's, making, he's make, grinding the corn, making the flour so the prisoners can eat. Maybe for the first time in his call, there's something truly virtuous about it because there's really nothing in it for him anymore. He's not doing it out of an act of exasperation to kill his enemies because they, they, they solved his riddle or, or because uh, you know, they took his wife or whatever it may be. No, no, friends. There's something becomes broken in a man. You know, when, when you become broken as a person, truly broken by God, something begins to happen. You begin to restore back to the model. And many of us, friends, need to let the Holy Spirit break us again. We need to say, Holy Spirit, you need to come and you need, you need to break something inside me because if you don't, it's going to break me. Thank God he doesn't abandon us even to the worst of foolishness. Hallelujah. Here he is. He's, he's now a spectacle. He's, he's like an, a beast of burden in this prison, just walking around, grinding the corn, walking, walking. He, everyone is talking about this was the judge, the Elohim. This was the man of God. You know? And so here he is, and they're despising, and they're laughing at him. And of course, we know the story. There's a huge event coming up in the, in the Philistine calendar where, where their god Dagon is being um, exonerated and, and, and worshipped and they, they want to have some sport at the expense of the Jewish god. Our god is stronger than the god of Israel. That's what they were saying. We have a judge, which is an Elohim, a representative of God. There are gods and now we have subjected them. That's what the, that's what the non-believer says about you, Christian, when you fall. They say, your god is worth nothing. Your God is useless. How is your God better than our no God or the gods that we serve? 
But I want to tell you, there's the, the God in heaven, friends, is still there. Amen. Regardless of your failure and my failure, God will still do something in your life should you yield your life back to him. Should you right now in your heart say, I will yield my life to service. I will give my life to God. It doesn't matter. Even a whole lifetime of foolishness can absolutely be evaporated with one, one moment of brilliance. Can you say amen? Oh, I love that, friends, because it means that even up to the last breath, death can be swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. Even up to the very last dying breath, a man can seize onto the very power of God and know his deliverance. And I've been at the bedside of many men and women, sadly to say, over the years, that didn't live the greatest lives as a Christian, fleshly, or, or, or living in bitterness towards another Christian, or, you know, sidelined because of foolish behavior. But then God brings upon them a calamity. But I want to tell you, that calamity is always the wounds of a friend. It's not the wounds of judgment. The judgment is taken on Christ. It's the wounds of a friend. So that you will not expire, leave this world, friends, with no fruit, with nothing in your life but bad memories. Oh, no, no. That's not what God has for you. That's not what God has for me. That's not who we serve. Amen. Even though we mess up a hundred times over again, we have a God that's in control. I said, we've got a God that loves us. That set his design upon us. And we see this in the life of this man. You know, friends, there was something about this man at the end of the day. A dawning began to happen. He began to realize, you know, this is much more than my petty angers and my petty desires in life. There's a plan in my life. And the Bible says that his hair began to grow. You see, friends, they can cut your hair, but they can't take your roots. Can you say amen? The devil might try to cut your hair. And there's many here sitting. And your hair has been cut in the workplace. Your testimony is nothing cut down because of your foolishness. Come on, let's be honest. Yes, I deserve what I get. I just, I've brought a reproach onto the word of God. You know, the Bible talked about David because of this sin. Nathan said, you have brought great reproach to the people of God, to the, to the God of Israel. And all of us have done that. All of us have been, head, head has been cut by the enemy. Hair has been cut by the enemy. But I want to tell you, there was much more than just hair. There was a root of the Holy Spirit that was in this man and is in every Christian today. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, there's hope. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's hope for a tree, even if it's cut down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even if it's cut down and the stock lies dead in the ground, at even the scent of water, it shall revive. And that is the most amazing message you'll ever hear is the message of the gospel. Because the gospel is the only thing that can take a bad man and make him into a good man. The gospel is the only thing that can take a wayward fleshly Christian and is still establish the covenant promises in your life. Why? Because we serve a great God. We serve a faithful God. Amen. We have a God that doesn't give you three strikes and you're out. That's not him. That's us. That's not who you serve. When we talk about the long suffering of God, friends, the depth of his love, the depth of his long suffering, how he chases after us. We debated a long time about reckless love. Oh, the overwhelming reckless. Is it reckless love? Yeah. You know, my wife still doesn't use the, like the word, but we have these great debates over it. I said, you know what? In the light of what I'm like, I think he was very reckless to show me such love. How I just threw it back at his face. He kept on giving to me. Others would step back and say, it's bordering and reckless, God, to be that nice to them. It's bordering and reckless with your grace to be giving that much grace to that man. It borders reckless, God. And I want to tell you, we have a God who's prodigal that lavishes his love out in us. You quoted from John, book of John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has, I love the King James, lavished upon us. Yes, that we should be called the children of God and that is who we are. And so this man, 
he begins, there's something in the core. There's something in the very core. There's something in the calling. There's something in the promises of God that are yes and amen. And whoever's listening to this this morning, let me tell you, there's the promises of God are yes and amen, and the gifts and calling of God are without revocation. And so this man, of course, he comes to that place of dawning in that place, in that prison cell, as he's grinding out the, the corn for those prisoners around him, that those, those roots of those truths begin to mull in his spirit. Why? They have to, because Hebrews tells me that's what happened. This is not conjecture. This is the Word of God telling us that there's more to the story. See, the Bible would be a very thick book. It would be several volumes if it was to tell you every inners of every situation. But what it does, it gives you massive indications of the goodness of God. Amen. In the areas that's blind spotted to us, we have to say to ourselves, I'm blinded as regards that, but I see a glory of God here and I don't understand it. You wait a while, the scripture will shed light on it. The Bible says, faith began to rise in this man's heart again. For the first time in his life, the roots of the calling start to take shape again. They start to sprout again. Isn't God so good? You know, many of you are here. Your parents spoke the gospel over you, prayed the word of God over you. You sat in Sunday schools. You came through the system of the church. You end, and some of you just went off in your half-cocked, dopey, foolish rebellion into a sin-sick world and became the worst sinner in the street. Some of you became drug addicts. Some became prostitutes. And yet, the roots of the gospel are in you. And you can't get away from it. You're the most miserable sinner in the pub. You're the most miserable one because you can't fully enjoy it. You can't enjoy the illicit behavior. You really can't. That's why? Because there's something. There's a DNA in heaven. There's a Holy Spirit that came into you. Something happened in your life and you'll never be the same. And though you might wound yourself with many sorrows, and many do, it's a tragedy to watch it. There's a tragedy to see young men and women that are born into the house even here and all of a sudden think there's more life out there. There's nothing out there. Nothing but misery and letdown. When the party's all over, you're yesterday's man and yesterday's woman, and all you have is everyone talking about you. All you have is a terrible history behind you of brokenness, delinquency. And uh, this man, all of a sudden, the roots of the calling of God begin to form again in him. I just think it's a wonderful thing. God doesn't leave you to one side. He doesn't leave you in your own folly. Oh, love that will not let me go. He chases you down. He comes and finds you. He loves you. He hasn't forgotten you. First time he's living for the glory of God and for the souls of men. Hebrews says, faith began to rise in his heart. Hallelujah. Did he still have some quirky ideas? Yes, he did. Did he need to have more teaching on forgiveness? Absolutely. Did he need to deal with his anger? Possibly, but it didn't stop God breaking through. Hallelujah. You know, when you and I give our lives to the Lord or come back to the Lord, does that mean all of a sudden we're instantaneously goody two-shoots? No, there's a journey. There's a walking. Does it mean that areas of a personality that are spiky and awful and not God-glorifying that we indemnify it? No, we don't indemnify it. We don't say it's all right. But we are a work in progress, amen? But we are His work, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, not abandoned to our own selves, not abandoned to what someone else's thoughts towards you. God says, my thoughts towards you are thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to a good end. Their thoughts is to write you off because you've messed up one time too many. Your thoughts is the same, but I am the Lord. I am the one that has brought about salvation at my cost, for I shed my own blood for you. As the book of Acts says, God shed his blood. He didn't mention Jesus. He said, God shed his blood for us because Christ and God are one. And he shed his own blood for you and I. 
And it came this wonderful moment in this man's life. And I want you to see where I think the writer of Hebrews begins to see something that's animated of God, animated by the Spirit, because this one name comes through the entire Bible. Do you know who that name is? The name of Jesus. Every story in this book points forward to an ultimate fulfillment, a higher fulfillment. Every deliverer of, of, of old was a microcosm of what the great deliverer would be. And so there's many things about Samson that also represent in Christ. Both of them, their mothers, were visited by angels. Yeah, amen. Spirit, supernatural origins to their life. His mom was barren. The angel of the Lord came and says, and that was Christ in the Old Testament, you're going to have a son, you're going to make him a Nazarite, you're going to give a vow. Both of them lived under an oppressive regime, the Philistines there and the Romans afterwards. Both children were going to be saviors for their community, both Samson and Jesus. The Holy Spirit entered both of them, both Samson, the Spirit of the Lord, would come upon him. And Jesus, when he came up out of the Jordan, the Spirit of the Lord descended on him like a dove. They both speak riddles or parables. Both given authority by God to judge Israel. But as both men were betrayed by their own brethren... The Jews bound their hero Sam, Samson and handed him over to the Philistines after he had burned down 300, after he sent 300 foxes in to burn down their vineyards and all their grain and all their harvest. They came and they bound him and they handed him over. And so too did the Jews bound our Savior and handed him over to the Romans. Someone was used that was close to them to be bribed, to find a way to have them brought into custody. Judas for Christ and Delilah for Samson. Samson was blinded. His eyes were taken out of his head, but our Savior was blindfolded as they laid him into the praetorium to beat him to a pulp before they brought him on the Vela de Rossa and brought him to Calvary. Both were mocked and stripped So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison. He performed for them and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women and all the lords of the Philistines were there and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. And Samson called on the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this one more time. Mocked and stripped, they both knew they would die in the service of saving their people. And just before Samson died, a little boy led him in between two pillars 
And I want you to see this. As he stood there naked, mocked, blinded, betrayed, and all the powers of hell and darkness railing at him, he puts one hand on one pillar, and he puts one hand on another pillar. I can see why the book of Hebrews can see something in this, amen. And he pushed, he said, one more time, God, give me the strength. And he pushed, and the columns came down, and it came down upon the roof, caved in, and he killed more people, more of the enemy in the time of his death than he did in his living. But our Savior, he hung on that cross. And he, he, friends, not just disarmed, but he destroyed the powers of darkness. In one foul swoop, our Savior stood between heaven and hell, raised between this, in the sky, and he stood for us and took on himself what he didn't need to take on, the punishment and the chastisement for our peace with God. His arms were spread wide. wide. On his death, not just a physical temple caved in, but the veil of a temple was opened. And I can think, as Samson said, just one more time, I can imagine how the Bible says of Christ, whoever lives to intercede for us. And I want you to think about this. this the risen Savior now is in glory today. And I want you to think about how he ever lives to intercede for you. Because Samson said, one more time, give me strength to destroy my enemies, to avenge from my eyes. And there was still a level of self-serving in his call. But I want to tell you this morning that God, through Christ this morning, is ever interceding for you. And Christ is saying for you, one more time, touch his life. Hallelujah. Christ is interceding this morning for you. And that heavenly place, he said, one more time, touch his mind. Touch her mind. One more time, give them a deliverance, oh God. One more time, forgive them, Father. Look at my hands. Look at my feet, heavenly Father. It doesn't matter what they've done. I've paid the price for their sin. Hallelujah. Lord, look at my back. I've paid for their healing. One more time, God, heal them. They don't deserve it. It's not even about what they deserve. It's what I deserve. I deserve, Lord, that you would hear me because I covenanted to redeem them and I bought them back and they are mine. Hallelujah. I think about how that Samson brought down that temple, but how our Christ opened the way to God for us. Amen. Through the veil of his own body, brought us into the heavenly place, how he stands this morning at every microsecond of the day, constantly speaking good over you, constantly speaking his love over you, constantly saying to the Father, I need you to send the Holy Spirit one more time. Revive him. Revive her. One more time. Use them, Father. Don't discard them, Father. Don't let them go astray. Use them. I've bought them. Them. They are written on the palms of my hand. Hallelujah, Father. Lord, one more time, get them through the problem. Don't let them there, oh God. Don't let them sink in this depression. Don't let them sink in our depression. One more time, rescue them. I want to tell you, every single second of the day, Jesus Christ is saying, Father, one more time. One more time. Samson had a great victory. I believe he rose in faith to believe that God was going to do something great through his life. And he's brought in, but I want to tell you, he typified someone far greater. That's why Hebrews says he succumbed to the will of the Lord by dying in that place, just like Christ would 2,000 years later, or 1,000 years later, Christ would come and die in that place. One more time, oh God, give him his daily bread. Hallelujah. One more time. You know, you think it's your prayer? And your prayer is important, but not near as important as his prayer. Hallelujah. 
You can pray to him, but if he doesn't pray to the Father, nothing's going to happen. If he doesn't intercede for you, and the Bible says he ever lives, one more time, Heavenly Father, forgive them. One more time, oh God, forgive his selfishness. Oh, don't you love the intercession of Christ for you today? Hallelujah. One more time, God, help him to be charitable when anger is in his heart. When I wake up in the morning, oh, I just want you to remember tomorrow morning when you wake up, I want you to remember that Jesus Christ is interceding and saying, one more time, God, get them through today. One more time, God, give them a victory. And that's why Jesus said today's troubles are enough for today. Just today's enough, friends. Don't be trying to figure it all out. Some of you are trying to figure out some big situations in your life and you can't do it. But today's troubles are today. And say, God, I don't know about tomorrow, but I'm trusting you for today. And Jesus says, Father, get them through today. He's listening to me now. She's listening to me now. Well, tomorrow we'll have another. Tomorrow will be the same prayer. Lord, just get me through today. And that's walking by faith, friends. That's what, what that delights the heart of God. It's not that he just opens all these open spaces for you and they all live happily ever after. You're in the fallen body, in the fallen world. And as you develop in your walk with God, you're developing in faith. And you're able to say one more time, oh, whatever it is going on in your life today, one more time, friends. Just say to the Lord one more time, oh God, move in my life. One more time, oh God, bring your name to reputation. I see now, Father, some of the biggest mess-ups in the Scripture were immortalized as men and women of faith because there was a one-more-time occasion. And whatever has happened up to today, I want to tell you the past counts for nothing now. What, what matters now is what God says. And if you embrace it, embrace the fact that He put out those arms for you and He brought the powers of darkness to naught. He has taken away their legal right over you. He has taken away their legal right of justice over you because he paid for the justice. There is no condemnation. Who condemns you, woman? No one, master. Well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. How can I do that? You can do that if you, if you bring me into the situation. Hallelujah. You can do that. If, and when you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. I'm standing up for you. See, Christian, if you begin to take these fundamental truths back into your life, it will mean that the, the hair is beginning to grow again in your head. It means that the roots are there. Something is beginning to happen in you. And I want to tell you the glory then of the latter of your life will be greater than the former. It, what a promise for you. What a promise for the greatest mess-ups in Cork Church or online watching today. What a promise for you and I that there is a God in heaven that says, I see that faith like a burning flax, dimly burning flax. I see that faith in you like, like, like a reed that's ready to break under the weight of a storm. But I won't break it and I won't out it. I will promise you I will come to you you call upon me. I'm not far from you. I will never leave you. I'm always interceding for you. Now come back to that place. And that's where Samson came to. He came to his senses. I might be the most fallen Christian in the world, but I am a Christian. I am. I might be the, fallest, I'm a, the most fallen leader in the world, but I am a Christian. I might be the worst dad, the worst mom. I might have done things that are very, and you probably did, some. People only knew the half. I don't need to know the half. He knows it all. I don't need to know about your life. You don't need to go around telling anybody unless you're comfortable and you're in victory. Because he knows it. And he says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at this head that was crowned for thorns. Look at the side that pierced me. The sword that pierced my side. Look at the water and blood that flowed from you. And I want to tell you, you start looking to him. The hair will start to grow again. I said, the hair will start to grow again your confidence will begin to grow again. You'll, you'll start to believe again. 
you'll start to rise up out of the ashes of defeat. And if, if you're walking in victory, I'm, I, I'm with you because I'm in victory today. But maybe you have someone in your family that this applies to. I want you to have faith for them. Amen. I want you to believe that the call of God, when you were a child, when you prayed over and you prophesied and you believed that it might take, it may take many years, but God will bring it about. Amen. There might be waywardness in the family. You might be backsitting husband. It may be a child that you love dearly. I've someone in my life that I love dearly. That's the nicest sinner that I know. And I still love this person very deeply, the son very deeply. But I want to tell you, I prayed, prophesied, believed and heard from his own mouth. And I know that God is going to bring him back. Amen. I said, I know God is going to bring him back because he is the one that goes after the, leaves the 99 in a safe place and goes after the one. He's just demonstrating our heart to us, his heart to us again. Christian, lift up your head today. Don't let the enemy rob you that Christ Jesus is interceding right now for you. Arms spread wide open. Destroy the powers of darkness. Destroy their legal right. And now commands blessing into your life. What you should do is with arms open wide, receive it and say, Oh God, I received the call of God for my life. I received the title that you call me, which is son and daughter. I received, Lord, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And Lord, I'm not defined by my failure. I'm defined by your victory at the cross hallelujah oh samson had faith no doubt about it friends it came to bear late in the day but better late than never and you see amen? amen stand with me this morning maybe there's one here maybe there's one in the house and you're so you're you're a samson in the sense that you had the call of god in your life and you went to all oh you're i mean samson is a play, is, is, is is kids play next to the life you lived and See, it's only the sin-sick man and woman really can get this breakthrough. You're sick of it. You're sick of the sin. You're sick of the compromise. It's led you to the eyes being gouged out of your head. It's led you into darkness. It's led you into prisons. The enemy's all over you. He's, he's mocking you. I want to tell you, that's a place. In that place, friends, you start, stop looking with the natural eye. Stop looking how to make yourself happy. Try to find a man or a woman or a better job. Stop trying to make yourself happy. Stop looking with those eyes. Many of you are at a place now where you're at that time of life where, you know, even if I am looking, I'm so broken I couldn't hold the relationship. My life is so in pieces I don't think I could do this. Then God says, now you're at a place where I can do a miracle for you. Hallelujah. Do you want a miracle today? Do you want the resurrection of Christ's power to so touch you, so lift you out of your prison so that the glory of the latter part of your life will be greater than the former? But let me tell you, that's what God wants for you. Not me, it's what God wants for you. It's what Christ did at Calvary. It's what Samson experienced in the midst of all his failure. I want to tell you right now, God is restoring himself a church. He's restoring a people. He's bringing people back. There's some here even watching, and you know that the, the hairs begin to grow on your head again after the enemy cutting and bringing you to nothing. Oh, hallelujah. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And though he live, he will never die. And now all of a sudden, that begins to fill your heart again. And that's called faith. Close your eyes with me and lift your hands to the Lord and say, Oh, Jesus, I receive the anointing again. I receive the call of my life again. I feel the hair of my head growing, Father. I'm hearing the call of the Spirit. 
I sense your intercession for me. I sense that you're calling out to the Father for all my sin. I sense that you're calling out to the Spirit to bring me my daily bread. And I have survived by only but a miracle. I am only here because it's a miracle. And it's a miracle not out of chance. It's a miracle that I never asked for, but you gave me. You preserved me to some here. You are absolutely in every sense of the word, physically, mentally, emotionally as well, a spiritually a miracle. And that's because Christ interceded you for you at your most rebellious, dark and foolish time. And I want to promise you this. If you, in your heart, come back to that full place with God, you'll have that Samson experience. I don't think you're going to be going out and bringing, knocking down buildings and stuff, but you know what I'm saying. You'll see the powers of darkness flee from beneath you. You'll see a push back around you. You'll see liberty come to your people. And you'll see the greatest victory towards the end of your life than you ever did previously. What a great way to embrace your future then. What hope there is for you this morning. What hope there is for me. If God can take a man that, like Samson with the, with the call that he had and yet he made such a mess up and yet through that brokenness bring him back to a place of great fruitfulness. Well, the intercession of Christ speaks a better word to you. The intercession of Christ and those that nail-pierced hands are wrapped around you right now, reaching out to you. And you have to respond to him. And you have to respond. He's, he's, he's here this morning, folks. I sense him. He's here, he's here in this place. You can, turn, you can switch off if you want, but Christ is here. Holy Spirit is here. Testifying to his word. That I am still the resurrection and the life. I am the same yesterday and today and forever. I never change. There's no shadow or turning for, with me. So right now, just say, Lord, I embrace. I embrace your word over me. Speak that better word over me, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, I pray. Pray for whoever, Lord, whoever here this morning. Whoever they be, Lord. Whichever man, whichever woman, boy or girl, Lord God, that knows the call of God, knows the anointing of God, but is messed up, that they now come to that place this morning. Oh, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Just for a moment or two before the Lord, would you just speak to him where you're standing? Hallelujah. Just talk to him where you are. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.